You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Choo-choo, last road trip of the season. Heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. A must-win for the Black and Gold. Really is must-win. Losing uh, any shot at the playoffs is over. Uh, the Tampa Bay wins, and they take a division crown for a third straight season. And uh, obviously still a lot of questions around this team going into the matchup. And we'll talk about some of the injury news we got coming up. Uh, some comments that Bobby Bear made towards Mickey Loomis that kind of, I guess you would say, upset. I guess you could say upset. I, I think it was more of sh- it's just it, anytime Mickey talks now, everyone has this like visceral reaction. Like, He's ah, this guy. Off by the question. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll get into that. That's something we can talk about in the final segment. Uh, and then obviously we're going to have JC Allen, uh, you know, Bucks reporter here to kind of break down what to expect because we still have games to play. It, you know, it, it is funny because. Like I think the resounding idea on social media these days is that is that the Saints don't have a chance to make the playoffs, and I understand that. But the fact is, they do. So it's like you're you're not going to hear that take from the coaches and GMs because they're still playing for something. But I guess my first question, Steve, is: Do grits expire? See, that's that's a great question from a Yankee that I don't know either. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't imagine they do. I how it's corn right it's just like right. it's just like grain like how could it how could it expire but i you know i had a i had grits this morning for breakfast and on the bag it said expired in may and i was like i think i'm gonna risk it so if, if jeff ends up getting sick during this cast we know what happened well, what's the worst that happens 
Like what, what? What could go? Like I get like milk is gross and like curdles and stuff, but it's like it's anyway. It's not like not like there's mold in there because that's my go-to breakfast. I make some grits. I fry two eggs. Just try to make some potatoes. I throw it in a bowl. It's a good time. That's what I had for breakfast this morning. And uh, the expired grits taste the same as the non-expired grits. I think at a certain point you're just putting labels on something just to scare you, <laughs> you know, just to make it so they have to restock the shelves and buy more. But Talking about expired grits, you know, <laughs> I, I did. Well, what happened in Denver this week was very funny. And I know people get annoyed with us continuing to talk about Sean Payton and his antics, but I do appreciate that the NFL at large is kind of finally discovering how much of a dick Sean Payton is because <laughs> the man just benched Russell Wilson. And the irony of the situation is that. Sean Payton is benching Russell Wilson to start the same quarterback who Derek Carr was benched for in Las Vegas because it's going to be Jarek Stidham. And it didn't even dawn on me until we were talking to Derek Carr yesterday and he was asked about it. And he was just like, oh, is Stiddy starting? And I was like, oh, he's got a nickname. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 just, I just can't help but wonder. It's like, why would you go to Denver? If you were, you know, not even like the slightest bit committed to Russ, right. why would we even take that job? What, what, he must have hated broadcasting. He must have, what, regardless of what he said, he must have been like, get me the F out of here. Because, I mean, that, that's not a good situation, right? Like, it, it, it's only a good situation if you have the quarterback. Now, he doesn't have the quarterback. They don't have a second round pick. And they don't really have a good enough pick that they can or assets that they can go up and and trade for a high pick to get the quarterback. So Yeah, because that, that hole they gave up for us was pretty phenomenal. I I just wonder it's like maybe maybe he wants Taysom Hill. <laughs> Funny would that be? I wonder if Sean's having any regret now about leaving New Orleans. Well, I mean like I don't think the like I mean based on how things have gone in New Orleans since he left, I don't I mean I don't think it would have been that much better, but you know, it's just like you 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 could have just waited out the Chargers. That's what I'll, I mean. I think a lot of people were anticipating that it seemed like the perfect fit. You had the quarterback obviously ready and waiting in Herbert, but no, he he went with Denver, and now it's Broncos country. Let's ride the bench. <laughs> and I am fascinated. So where does Russ end up? Right, you know where. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he wants to trade for Derek Carr. Maybe they should trade Russ for Derek Carr straight up. Maybe that'll work. Because <laughs> um, Russ will start somewhere, right? Maybe New York, the Giants, the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. I'm just like, he's going to end up somewhere. He's not going to retire. I don't think he's good. Yeah, I'm maybe trying to think. Too. They're they're definitely there. Should be a landing spot for Russ somewhere, but yeah, I'm not quite sure. Or where that's going to be, either. But I mean, the the relationship from right from the very beginning seemed tumultuous between those two, and obviously has not gotten any better. No, it's a, it's a well, it's like it kind of looked awkward from the outside, and then you see it now. It's like okay, it was awkward the whole time. We were not imagining that. The fact of games they did is kind of remarkable. Uh, but I mean, it's like you try to figure out. It's like so, you know, uh, Tampa. What are they going to do? We can talk about that. That's why I want to talk to JC about because. You know, we're going to talk about Tampa a lot. And I think Tampa was setting this thing up to break, right? They were setting it up. They were building it to spill. And it didn't spill. 
And now they're kind of in the situation the Seahawks were in last year, where it's like we didn't anticipate having to pay Gino $140 million, but I guess we have to have to, right? Uh, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so like that's gonna be interesting to talk about. Uh, but like he's gotta go somewhere, and I just don't know where that is. Like Green Bay's got a young quarterback, right? Minnesota, maybe Minnesota, maybe Minnesota's the answer because it's a team that seems like it has weapons, right? And but again, it's like who's paying that guy? Is he gonna anyway? It's that's gonna be a really fascinating thing to watch this offseason. But you know, another another fascinating thing that we're gonna watch this offseason and that's gonna be playing out over the final two weeks is young players on the Saints and kind of to me, I think it's important to kind of evaluate who the the core young players are on this roster. Because there are a there are a, a decent number of them. I don't think there are enough. And I don't think there are enough, you know, like star young, like young players that you can see developing into star players. Right? Like there are a handful of them and we're going to go through them. But one of the one of the question marks, wow. I have some that I feel good about and some that I still have some question marks on. And one of those players is Alante Taylor just because, you know, they kind of shifted him into this slot corner role. I don't think it's gone particularly well, but it's like I don't want to judge him too harshly from a career arc on struggling in a role that was probably never his ideal role to begin with. Yeah. And that's being in the slot. And he obviously got benched in week 16. And it's like, I think it, there's a, there's always a good, like a, like an interesting thing to watch of like, okay, how does a young player deal with getting benched? And one of the things I like the most about Alante Taylor is his mindset and his approach to things. And so here's here's a clip of just him talking in the locker room on on Wednesday and kind of breaking down, you know, what happened, blah, blah, blah. What was your pulse of, of why the switch was made during the game and how did you react to it? Really just because I had some situations later in the game, really that series where uh, my eyes got bad and some, some explosive plays were, were made. Um, the way I reacted, um, it wasn't the best reaction on the sideline, um, but you know I had guys uh, kind of rally around me as far as like Tyron and Carr, uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, Keith Kirkwood. Those guys kind of came up to me, talked to me, um, kind of calmed me down a little bit, and from there I just cheered on uh, Ugo and the rest of the team from the rest of the game. And what do you mean by eyes being bad? Like what, what does that? Well, lead to? you know the Rams they do a lot of motioning, um, and there was times where um, <clears throat> the guys was like motioning, and then I was looking at the wrong person or like the wrong gap. Uh, so whenever it came to the run game, I wasn't fitting certain gaps. And there were certain times where uh, I should have, like, bumped out with a receiver or a tight end or whatever, and I ended up just kind of locking on my guy. Uh, so I learned a lesson for me, um, but, you know, I've grown from it. Uh, so now we're, we're getting ready for Temple, so I'm not so much worried about it. Do you think you're getting every opportunity to, to get right back in there? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm back in the starting lineup, uh, you know, like nothing, like nothing happened before. Uh, so, you know, taking advantage of my reps now, and, then, uh, like I said, just getting ready for Temple. Um, not, not, not really. Um, I feel like for me, it was more so of just trying to make too many plays instead of letting the plays come to me. Uh, so, you know, I got to look inside, um, and just do my job and just put my eyes in the right place. And, um, you know, Tampa, they don't do as much motioning, but, you know, if they look at last week's game, they feel like they want to do that. Uh, you know, I'm up for the challenge. Um, you know, we, we work on that now and I've been watching a lot of tape on last week's game. Um, so I'm gonna be all right. And yeah, I mean that's what you heard from the coaches, right? Like that's that's what kind of what Dennis Allen said after the game. He got beat with his eyes a couple times. You know, uh, he was on the sideline. That guy got a good look at it. You know, he was kind of sulking on the bench. Uh, Derek Carr, Tyron Matthew, Keith Kirkwood, 
Jonathan Abram, you know, a lot of yay rah rah guys, you know, uh, they all came up to him and, you know, gave him a pep talk. He eventually got up, started cheering on the team. Uh, he admitted it wasn't a good reaction from him. He should have handled it better. But, but I think like, you know, I don't, I, I think in a lot of instances, a young player, the first open locker room session or second, I guess, because they had an open locker room on Monday, but like the first kind of after the first practice following getting benched to stand in front of your locker and not only talk to the media, but invite the media over. Cause that's what happened is, you know, he was just like, you guys want to talk, come on. And he, and like, that's a very mature way to approach that. Sure, and, yeah. you know, you look at a guy who I think is going to be a core piece of this team going forward. And, there's a lot of ways that could have gone. There's a lot of ways you can react to that scenario, and I thought he handled it very well. And again, I don't know if he's going to get better in the slot. I don't think his future is as a slot corner in the NFL, so I need to see him continuing to engage, and I think that's what he is doing. You know, I asked Derek Carr, you know, how he kind of responded uh, because Derek was one of the players that talked to him on the sideline, and, you know, he, he said he's responded well. You know, he, from what he can tell, he had a good day of practice. Obviously, they're not on the same side of the ball. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think, again, I'm, I spent a good time this morning looking at, like, okay, who are the core players? And he's one of them. Um, I think, you know, it's it's funny because you look at a team that has Marshawn Lattimore, but I also look at a team that has to try to reset the deck somehow. And I do like that core group of Paul Sanadibo and Alante Taylor. However, it shapes out over the next four or five years. I think that is kind of your building group of corners. Um, cause Marshawn, while still very, very good is 28 and is he 28? How old is Marshawn? He's 27. He'll be 28 before the start of next season. So, I mean, like what, if, if you're like me and you kind of see this as a long-term kind of re restocking of the locker room of the roster so that maybe in two, three years, you can be back to a title contender. Marshawn really can't be part of that group because he's just, he, by that point, he will be out of his prime. So I think guys like Alante Taylor, Paulson Debo, those are important. So I, I appreciated how he how he reacted to all of that this week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I'm just curious. When are the Saints, Dennis Allen, going to stop the experiment of Alante in the slot and, and put him back on the outside? I mean, I don't think it's going to be this year. Right. Um, when we see that happen, though, next season kind of thing, because I don't know. To me, when we talked to him early on, even in training camp, I just got that vibe from him that he wasn't necessarily thrilled about this move in general. And I, and I don't think it has been, and it has worked out well this year. Now, I mean, early in camp, he was competing for the outside corner job. It wasn't until late in camp that he really got shifted. He was getting some backup slot reps, but it wasn't until the end that he shifted late. And I mean, I think that the, the equation is, okay, do you want him an outside corner or do you want him in the nickel? Because if you keep him at outside corner behind Paulson Debo and Marshawn Lattimore, he's not playing. And I think the idea is, you know, you get your best players on the field. And I do think that getting him reps this season was more valuable than having him sit behind Marshawn uh, and Alante. I'm sorry, and Paulson. So in that frame, I, I understand it. And right now, 
it doesn't make sense to change midstream. But yeah, I mean, like going into the next season, that's kind of that's why you know we talked about it. And, and I know that there's contract issues that you have to figure out and be a lot of dead money. But if if you shift into asset collection mode, my first step would be trying to figure out how can you kind of rebuild your asset, your war chest, right? And I think Marshawn, despite all that dead money, um, would be would be valuable because in, it would you would be able to stomach it because you would end up starting younger players who are on smaller contracts and. You know, you would be able to stomach some of that. Day. But anyway, that's a, that's another conversation for another day. Well, right. what I do want to talk about. So I came up with a list of like, okay, the core young players on this roster. Yeah. Because um, there are a good number of them, but like there there are, there are way more with question marks than I'd like to see. So on the defense, the players, the young players that I feel like are a part of the future, and this is generally like 27 or younger, and it's really younger than that. I just put it at 27 because Carl Granderson's 27, and I want him on this list. But he's a little older just because he got a later start. But for, in terms of tread on the tires, he's a young 27, if that makes sense. It, because he's only played so many snaps in the NFL. So I still view him as a guy. He's going on to a second contract. He's going to be here for a while. So And he's played well. He's getting better. He's ascending. So he's on my list. So Carl Granderson is one of those guys. There are three players that I have stars next to in the sense that I am convinced these will be star players over the next four or five years. So Paulson Adebo. On the defense, there's two of them, Paulson Debo and Carl Granderson. Those are the two starting kind of star caliber players that you expect to continue to get better will probably be a Pro Bowl ceiling um, by by the time they kind of reach their peak. Beyond that, on the defense, cornerback Alante Taylor, I still really like his game. Defensive tackle Brian Brzee, linebacker Pete Warner, safety Jordan Howden. Those are the only players that I'm confirmed feel like these are starting players next season for you. On the defense, that's not enough. <laughs> that is not enough in terms of you need young players to build with. You know, I, I like the cornerbacks. I like Brian Brzee. I like these players, but you don't see an edge rusher on there, do you? I guess no. you have Carl Granderson, right? But you don't. You don't see like young edge. Even if you eliminate Carl Granderson from this list because he's twenty-seven, uh, you don't have a young edge rusher that you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy's developing. He'll be really good in a few years. Now, no, yeah, we just haven't seen enough of anything from Foskey. You'd love to have him right. on the list, but just haven't seen it, right? There are a few players. There are a few players that I have labeled UG, and he's one of them in terms of Peyton Turner, Isaiah Foskey. You know, they just can't stay on the field. They can't stay healthy, and so I'm not selling on Isaiah yet. But it's just it's just another episode of like this is the entire season, right? This is not like you. You had like a two-game stretch where you had an ankle injury. It's like you've missed half the season with a quad injury. And he's back at at practice this week. He looks like he's trending in the right direction to potentially return maybe this week or next week. But you've effectively missed a good chunk of your rookie season and and the, the chunk of it that you really had an opportunity with Cam Jordan dealing with an injury. You're not there. You've not been able to take advantage of it. So it's just another ugh. And after dealing with Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner... It's just like another another installment in the injured defensive end show that, that we've seen. Uh, and it's it's made all the more frustrating by the fact that we've seen a guy in Cam Jordan who never misses games. <laughs> so, you know, it's possible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so like that's that's really it. You know, and I still I think Peyton Turner, I think he you know, you're not you're not cutting him. So it's just like you're going to go into next season. Hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that he can get back for the final two games and maybe gain some momentum so that next season you go into it and like, okay, 
maybe this is the time, but you know, after three years of just injury, 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 it's just hard to, it's hard, it's hard to believe that he can get through even 12 games of a season. So that's frustrating to me. Yeah. The, the scouting department on their defensive ends has just done a, a wonderfully awful job of finding guys that are just always banged up. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's like, is it a scouting thing? It's just like, it's there seems to be an element of randomness there that I don't know if you can no, scout it. Right, right. Uh, but, but I mean, like like a quad injury, like it's not like that's, like, yeah, we saw in college, he was leaning on that quad a little too hard. <laughs> I don't know how it works. But yeah, so that's frustrating. Now on the offensive side, and that's the thing, on the defensive side, you actually have a lot more names than you have on the offensive side. On the offensive side, I only have three names that I'm very confident in in terms of these are young players, reasonably young players, uh, that that are going to be a part of your future. So one is center Eric McCoy, who's somehow only 26. I feel like he's been around forever. He was he was drafted in 2018. Um, he was the first pick off the board in 2018 because you didn't have that first round pick because of the March, uh, the Cam Dur- Marcus Davenport trade. But he's been very good. You also had CJ Gardner-Johnson in that draft. It'd be nice to have him around, but, you know, whatever. Then the other two, wide receiver Chris Olave and wide receiver Rashid Shahid. Those are the only three that I'm, like, looking at as for sure you are our starter next year, and and I'm not worried about it. Beyond that, there are a handful of players that I'm putting on the fringe but not completely confident in yet. One is probably the most disappointing player of the season in terms of expectations versus reality in tight end Juwan Johnson. If you had asked me going into this season, I'd been like, he's for sure the long-term tartar, tartar, starter at tight end. And now you're just like, I guess, you know, maybe I would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind an upgrade. Let's put it that way. No, that was definitely, like you said, one of the big disappointments of how we were raving during training camp. And it just, I don't know, for whatever reason has not materialized this year among Many things. Yeah, the other one is guard Caesar Ruiz, which I think Caesar has been fine. I really was hoping he would take a, a bigger leap this year, and I and I just haven't seen it. And and here's the thing: he's a first round draft pick. Yeah, at guard. And I saw someone tweet. I think it might have been Matt Miller. He tweeted like, "How good does a guard or a center have to be for you to take them in the first round?" And it's like, no, they have to be like a Quentin Nelson type player, an impact player to be a legit first round pick at guard at interior line. And Caesar has not been like he's been solid, but you can find solid guards. I mean, first round caliber guards, they got to make impacts. And I haven't seen that from him. So that's why I have him on the fringe. No, I agree totally with uh, your list, unfortunately. And you think with the. Draft capital invested, obviously, at O-line and what we've talked about with D-line. There'd be more to talk about there. The, the, no. the Trevor Penning experiment is a huge question to me, and I'm just wondering, uh, does that does that things change next year for him maybe with a new O-line coach? I really don't know. Trevor Penning is on my UG list. Yeah. Not UGG, but UGH. You know, we're not talking about boots. <laughs> um, I imagine you have to try to get him involved. Like, you have to try to get him you know, maybe next year going into it, you're just like, we're going to give him another shot, whether it's that left tackle or guard. You got to do it. He's a first round pick. You got to find a way. But I mean, I'm not feeling great about that, obviously. The other two players I have on the fringe for the Saints in terms of the offense wide receiver AT Perry, running back Kendra Miller. I think both have flashed. Like, I think they've both looked fine. Kendra's a guy who's dealt with injuries, could be back this week. Um, but I do think what you've seen out of him in a season where you didn't expect a ton behind Alvin and Jamal, 
has been has but you've seen him be explosive and at perry you've also seen him be explosive so i feel decently about those but i'm not going to slot them in as starters yet in terms of i just haven't seen enough there's a few others that i think are kind of interesting you look at future players and and potential so wide receiver shaq davis he's on the practice squad i still like him the linebacker demarco jackson he's been a special teams guy but i think you know, as you go forward, you're going to try to incorporate him more. Nephi Sewell's in that group, too. I like Nephi um, a lot. Nick Saldaveri, just a guy we haven't seen any of, but I'm right. still like, they drafted him for a reason. I think you're developing and hopefully at a certain point, you'll be able to get him in there. And then Jake Hayner, who knows? These are guys that I just have no grade on because we haven't seen them, at least in the sense of the actual offense or defense. DeMarco's obviously played well on special teams, and he'll stay around for that reason alone. And I, you know, I'd probably be Craig Robertson type as you go forward with maybe some upside, but that's kind of my list. Those are, that's the entire list. And so you look at it and you say, okay, it's a 53 man roster. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, only 20 players of that 53 man roster would qualify for even any of these. And that's including seven players who are on the either UG or no grade at all list. So you're talking about 13 players effectively that you're looking at and saying, yeah, these are contributing young core players and the rest are veterans or whatever. And that's when I look at this roster and I say, it's just, it just doesn't profile well. The trajectory is not good. That's what I'm talking about. Is that the, the numbers on this list are not big enough. Unfortunately, yeah, the, the, the draft hasn't been a spot where this team's you know, made the, the the draft maybe later rounds has been successful, but man, those picks in the early rounds have really been a disappointment. And obviously that's hurting him tremendously right now. Yeah, I, I think, and this is something I want to talk about in a later episode. One of the issues I have is the strategy, not so much. You know, like I think their hit rate in the draft is reasonably, is a decent number just in terms of how many picks you make versus how many times you find a decent player in the draft. I think the issue has been the number of darts you've had to throw at the board has not been enough because you've, the way the Saints operate is they trade up, they try to go get their guy. Well, that yeah. works when the, the guy is right, <laughs> right? That works when it's Chris Olave. When it's Trevor Penning, that, then it's a huge problem because you don't have the volume, so you can't make up for that. Um, and so that's going to be something I think we can get into as we, we get, maybe starts this week. Who knows? And uh, we'll be able to get into that with our guest who's coming on, J.C. Allen, Bucks reporter and writer for Bucks Game Day. And, you know, he, he was on here earlier this season, and... I feel like the conversation went a certain way. It's going to be interesting to see how the conversation goes this time because if I was covering the Bucks right now, I would be so smug in terms of how this season has gone. And so we will we will be getting into it. But this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Otherwise, stick around.